Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. Okay, so I know that I'm only going to get through four of these tonight. I'm not going to try to get through five. I think Debbie copied the five for us, um, but Ezekiel will hold off till next week. Um, but I'm going to pick up where Jonathan left off, and he only got through four last week. And so the one that he did not do was Ahab. So we're going to start, you know, um, I guess in today's lingo. Tonight, we are going to start with two villains. Everybody go, ooh. Has anybody been to the melodrama? I love the melodrama. Do you guys like the melodrama? <laughs> and what I love is like the crowd participation. And so I love that, you know, whenever you say certain words, everybody's like, Ooh, and then it's good. And you're like, yay. All right, so tonight, you guys get to participate. We're starting with two villains. <laughs> and the other two will be heroes. <laughs> now, how fun was that? <laughs> okay, so I want to tell you that these two villains that we are starting with are the evil of the evil. So that's why we got to kind of like make light right in this moment. Because <laughs> these are not storytelling uh, fairy tales. How many of you know when you go to Disneyland, all of those stories are fairy tales? Do you know that Cinderella was not, didn't really walk on the earth and her story isn't really that story? Do you know that Sleeping Beauty really, there was no Aurora? Right? But do you know the word of God is truth? And these stories are not fairy tales. Although there will be people out there that will tell you, well, I don't believe all of that was true. But I will tell you that this church stands with these things are true. It is truth. So we're going to look at Ahab. Boo. No. <laughs> um, his childhood, he was the son of evil King Omri, the sixth king of Israel, making Ahab the seventh king. So here he is, the seventh king, and his father was evil. And then guess what? He married Jezebel. Right. <laughs> A pagan and one of the most evil women in the history of Israel. She was evil. And so here the evil, the, the son of the evil married evil. How many of you know that is a story that is all about evil? It's a recipe for evil. How many of you would have, like, cringed during that time? Like, this is not going to be good. Like, Jezebel's evil. Ahab's dad was evil. Ahab's evil. And he reigned for 23 years. They didn't know about a four-year term. <laughs> they got 23 years of him reigning. He was known for his idolatry, his lust, and his covetedness. Um, and here's the thing, his wife was an influence of evil in his life. Here's claims to fame. Ahab tried to come against the prophet Elijah numerous times, but died without managing to kill him. I like that. So he really was after him, but he was not successful in killing him because there was a protection and a covering over this man. 
How many of you know evil can be out to get you? But if you are a child of God, every arrow they throw your way, every form of deception that's trying to get you will not prevail because you are a child of God. Can I get an amen? And so we see that here, and I love that, that we get to see the end of the result is he did not kill him. Um, Ahab is known as being one of the most evil kings in the history of Israel. We said that. Ahab married Jezebel, daughter of the Seboan king, who worshipped the false god Baal and was killing God's prophets. Here's some famous quotes. It says, There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Urged on by Jezebel, his wife, he behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you. He, Elijah, answered, Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. He says, I'm going to bring disaster on you. I will wipe out your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Basha, son of, don't you love all these names, Ahijah, because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin. The third famous quote, and also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will devour Jezebel, Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Um, few things. So... The Word of God tells us, if you, if you reference some of the Bible lookups at the bottom, which I encourage you to do, 1 Kings 16.30, 1 Kings 21.25, 2 Kings 9.7 and 9, you will see that he did more evil, it says, than all who, all who were before him. It says he provoked God to anger more than all before him. So he did evil and he provoked God to anger and... In some versions, it says, when, when you hear this verse between him and Elijah, it says, you sold yourself to the devil in the sight of the Lord. You know, we hear that, you know, did they, you know did you, well, I remember being a teenager and hearing like, did you hear such and such band said they sold their self to the devil? And I always thought, where does that even come from? But that is in the word of God, where we see a person so evil that it says you sold yourself to the devil in the eyes of the Lord. And here's the thing, when he was, I don't have the scripture pulled up, but when, when he was confronted and Elijah prophesied and things, there was a point where he actually, um, he actually humbled himself. Says he tore his clothing and he humbled himself. And because he did that, because he had a moment that he honored what was being said, um, it said that the calamity will not come to you in your day, but in the days of your sons, of your son. The calamity in the days of his son. So he was saved from some things because of his response to what the Lord had to say to him through the prophet. And what ended up happening to him is he went into battle and he disguised himself hoping to escape. But an arrow pierced him, and, and this is very interesting. The Bible says it came from a certain man, doesn't say who the certain man was, from a certain man who drew his bow at random. And it just so happened to, to um, hit him between the joints of his armor 
and it killed him. You know, who was this certain man just shooting his bow at random? But perhaps somebody who, for whatever reason, felt this impulse to do something (laughs) and just did it, not knowing the response would be that he would kill the enemy. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we'll do things and we think it's like for no reason, but there is a reason behind it? Who knows who that man was, but he struck down the most evil man. And I just think that's very interesting for us to, to ponder on there. Um, so I consider his death merciful, being that he, you know, yes, he died, but being that it could have been in a very different manner. If you even go into further scriptures, you'll see how um, I believe it said, you know, like when, once his body was removed, the dogs came and, and licked the blood and the harlots bathed in it. Like, it, it's gruesome, you know. Sometimes we, we don't like to think of God's word as being like, ooh, you know. <laughs> but it's very descriptive. And there was such evil there with him. So if we then turn around and we look at, if we turn around and then we look at Jezebel, <laughs> it says that she was the princess daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians. She was raised to worship the gods known as Baal. She um, was married to Ahab, who became even more evil by her influence. The scripture actually says, in one of the areas of scriptures that you find her, it says that Jezebel stirred Ahab up. So the evil that he already had present, she stirred the pot. How many of you know there are people that stir the pot? And she was there to do that. Um, She had no fear of God and no fear of man. She was a very wicked woman. She was crafty. She was malicious. She was revengeful. She was cruel. She was murderous. She was an instigator of persecution against God's people. Make no mistake that in this world there are still people who hate God and hate God's people. There are still instigators of persecution against God's people. We don't like to think about that, but it exists. Her claims to fame, or this area that says claims to fame, Jezebel was known as the most evil queen of Israel. After her marriage to Ahab, Jezebel's first recorded action was cutting off the prophets of the Lord. She put many of the Lord's prophets to death and built idols in Israel to lure people away from God. So you can just see her evil there. I'm going to get rid of you, and then I'm going to push something in your face that I want you to do. So I'm going to get rid of God's people, and I'm going to put this up here, And I want you to see how enticing this looks and how good this looks. God's people, I've done this too, but look at this God. Look at this. And she was very deceptive in the way that she worked. Jezebel died as the prophet Elijah predicted. She was actually thrown uh, off a tower and devoured by dogs so that most of her body could not be found or buried. 
She was pushed out of that tower, fell and devoured by dogs. And that was part of the prophecy. Can you imagine that's probably why Ahab hated Elijah? <laughs> because he spoke the truth. And how many of you know sometimes when you speak the truth, you're hated for speaking the truth? And so he was bold to speak the word of the Lord. God protected him, though. Can we get that? And that is something I think we can take home from these two people today, that even though evil resides, if you will be obedient to the Lord, he is our protector. He looks out for us. And so God's people um, were under extreme persecution with Jezebel. And one of the things that Jezebel is connected to, or if you ever hear someone say, you know, like a, a spirit of Jezebel, Jezebel is known to be controlling. She tried to control her husband and influence him as a leader and a king. And she herself was very controlling and deceptive. And can I tell you today that God's people, you as a child of God, the leadership will be led astray if we allow Jezebel to control us. If we allow the people of the world who hate God, who don't follow the ways of God, to lead us astray, we will be controlled by a Jezebel spirit. But we have to be cautious that we recognize who we are as children of God and we stand up for the righteousness of God regardless. It is our duty as believers to know the word, to know what's right, to stand upon the word, and not be led astray. That's why it says that we are to pray that we not be deceived. That should be one of the prayers that we really pray every single day, is Lord, help me to not be deceived. And I am telling you, we are living in a time of great deception. And we need to know, not because someone else said it, but because we are so connected to God that our spirit says, this is not right. If it doesn't line up to the word of God, it's not right. We understand that, right? So if the word of God says it's wrong, it's wrong. You can sugarcoat it. You can try to make it look good. You can try to feel good about it. But if the word of God says it's wrong, it's wrong. But there are some things that you may have to make decisions upon and you're not sure what to do and you need the wisdom of the Lord and you need to know that he will open your eyes that you not be deceived because there is great deception and so here we see the evil of Ahab the evil of Jezebel we see the influence don't think that you won't be influenced by the people in your life he was greatly influenced by his wife, and he fell prey to a lot of the schemes of the enemy that were coming from her. And she was cruel and mean and, and wicked. And we have to realize there's cruel, mean, wicked in the world. And I think really sometimes it's hard to fathom that here in our nation because we don't experience the, that type of persecution like they do in other countries. None of us in this building have ever had to run for our life in that manner, unless possibly you've, you know, if you've served in the military, it's a different view. 
But for most of us who are here today, we've never had to live in that type of fear. Um, and we don't have to live in fear. Can I get an amen? Because God is with us. He is for us. But we do need to recognize that there are controlling spirits at hand, and we do not want to fall prey to that, that crafty, conniving ways. And we don't want to be used in that way. <laughs> but we want to keep our hearts pure before the Father. So these two are very disturbing characters. <laughs> but I thank God that as you read these stories, it's very interesting how you can you can see, like he actually, it said, humbled himself. And, and that goes to tell me that even though there can be wicked, they can still come to a place of humbling themselves. And that leads us to another story that has kind of that same thing, which is Jonah. So when we look at Jonah, um, how many of you guys remember when we were doing the books of the Bible, Jonah fell into what category? Anybody remember? He's a minor prophet. Okay, so he fell under the category of minor prophets. And he is a very famous person because of all of the little kid storybooks that has Jonah and the what? Do we know that it was a whale? No. <laughs> we just know that it was a big fish, right? Um, but as we look into him, I just kind of want to give you the rundown. So Jonah did, God told Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was a what city? Evil. Boo. <laughs> it was a wicked city. And he tells Jonah to go to this wicked, evil city. And Jonah did not want to go. I mean, who can blame him, right? He did not want to go. So this is what he decided to do. He decided, you know what? I'm going to flee from this act that God wants me to do. I'm going to jump on the ship, and I'm going to get out of here. Well, what happened? The ship got messed up because Jonah was on it. People were like, um, what is going on? There's somebody that's causing this. Uh, ends up being, obviously, Jonah. Um, and I love this because in Scripture it tells you, if you, I love to nitpick God's Word. So if you go to the book of Jonah and you're reading, it'll say that God did not, um, basically God did not accept his disobedience. It says the Lord sent the great wind. Who sent the great wind to that boat? The Lord. He protected everybody else on that boat. But he sent the great wind to shake things up. And then, uh, of course, Jonah told the men, you know, just throw me off the ship. Well, they felt, how horrible for those men. They're like, we don't want to throw you off. We're going to try to get there as fast as we can. But it ended up being that they're like, okay, God forgive us, but we're going to, you know, we're going to throw them off the ship. Because <laughs> that's the end result. Why? Because it also says the Lord prepared a great fish. So God knew that Nineveh was going to, or that Jonah was going to reject going to Nineveh. So he prepared a great wind when Jonah decided he was going to dodge town. And then God protected the men on that boat. And actually they got to say, well, man, your God's powerful here. And then he prepares a great fish for Jonah. God pursued Jonah and God pursues us even in our stupidity. Aren't you thankful though? 
in our stupidity that he still comes after us and he has a plan for us. And so here he is. He is in this fish for how many days? Three days. I think you could say Jonah was a bit of a stubborn man. And sometimes God has to deal with us in different ways due to our character and personality. So if you're like, why does God always do this to me? Maybe check yourself. Are you stubborn? <laughs> you know, how well do you listen and follow direction? You might have to go the harder path because <laughs> that's what Jonah had to do. And so it led him to a place of prayer. I mean, you know, if you're inside of a fish, you're going to do some praying too. <laughs> So he had this time of seclusion, this, this, this place of being somewhere where you've never been. How many of you have been in that scenario in your life? Here I am. I've never been here before, and I don't like it. And God, I know I made some wrong decisions. Please forgive me. I'm so thankful that you've called me. And, you know, here's, here is Jonah calling out to God. Um, and, the, and, and so God releases him. He doesn't give him a free pass. I mean, God doesn't always give us a free pass. Well, okay, if you can't do it, I'll send someone else. No. All right. Now that we've gotten to this place, you're going to still get back and nice. The calling is without void. You're going to still do it. So he goes out and he goes to the wicked place of Nineveh. And how did they respond? They received the word of the Lord. And the king led the people the king received the word, and he told the people, this is what we need to do. And so God had mercy on the people of Nineveh. And guess what? Jonah didn't like it. And how many of you know we don't have to like what God asks us to do? He's using you for a part of his plan, but you don't have to like it. Jonah didn't. He didn't like it that God is gracious, that God is merciful, that he's slow to anger. And human logic sometimes questions the fairness when evil is forgiven. God, how could you forgive them? But God, they did this. But God, they were wicked. But God, they did this to your people. But God saw that they needed forgiveness. That they could turn from their wicked ways, and they did. Nineveh was an evil people. He didn't want to help them. And as children of God, we cannot hate the world. We need to bring revival and truth to them. We can hate wickedness, um, the sin that abounds. But we cannot run or turn away from speaking truth and bringing opportunity to his children. And that's not always easy. Opportunity for revival, opportunity for a turnaround in their life, no matter how wicked or evil they have been. There is evil at work today, and we need to allow God to use us, even with the people we don't agree with, because we recognize and know their sin is wrong, but we know that God is merciful and gracious. We need to be willing to be used by God to the people who are doing worldly things and who are living in sin. And God may call you to minister to a group of people that you could have never seen yourself ministering to. God, how can I talk to them when I am so against their ways and what they do? 
God opens up an opportunity for you to share truth, if God opens up an opportunity or tells you to do something, be obedient and allow the Holy Spirit to use you despite how you feel. Um, his dislike arose again after the people turned to the Lord. Wouldn't you think he would be like, well, praise God. Praise God, they turned and they changed. Like, how many of you have ever rejoiced when you've seen someone who was wicked turn from their ways? You're like, this is a miracle. I knew that person. I knew what they did. I knew how they acted. I knew what I mean. You're like, it is a miracle, and I am rejoicing that they are no longer that person. Right? That was not Jonah. He wasn't like, this was an evil king who was leading his people down an evil path. And thank you, Jesus, now they've turned from their wicked ways. No, he was mad. And he would have rather God have killed them all off than to have forgiven them. And that's where I love that scripture in Isaiah that says his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Like, we don't get it, right? Some things we're not going to understand. Some things we're not going to think are fair. But how many of you know fairness is not judged by our eyes, but through God's? So there's things that I don't think is fair. There's situations in my life that I've been like, God, I don't think that's fair. And I think they deserve this or that. But he reminds me, I'm not God, so you let me take care of my job, and you do the job I've called you to do. And that's where Jonah was at. And it ends, you know, the book of Jonah ends with, with you know, some, some hard conversation between Jonah and God. And so I appreciate that Jonah got, got up and did what God had called him to do. He, he did go to the people of Nineveh, and he did give them the truth. And if he would have given the truth in hate, they wouldn't have received it. But he gave the truth in love. He gave the truth as God had told him to do it. And we need to remember that when we disagree, because we know God's word and we know God's truth, that we have to do it in love. People are not going to receive when you come in the name of hate. But when you come in the name of love, and you give what God has given, then you leave it in his hands. Amen? But let us be used. Let us not have a heart like Jonah where we have to go through a whole roundabout before we do what God wants us to do. Wouldn't it have been easier if he just would have went the first time? No, he had to go all the way around and go through this whole thing. Let us not be like that. Let us learn from Jonah and say, you know what, Lord, I might not like this, but I'm going to be obedient. Somebody say obedient. We want to be obedient to God in his, his ways. Okay, so Daniel. How many of you know what book of the genre, or is that the right word, that, that Daniel, the book of Daniel fell in? Remember? He is a major prophet. So Jonah came from the minor prophets that we studied. Daniel, the book of Daniel, came from the major prophets. And, of course, the book of Daniel has Daniel in it. Daniel is thought to have been born in Jerusalem. His name means God is my judge. And I love what his name means because he recognized all of his life that God was his judge, not man. And he lived his life in a way that he said, I know I'm going to answer to God, so the decisions I make and the things I do are going to be based off of that fact, that God is my judge. Uh, it says married, it says unknown. Um, he was one of the noble young captives first carried into exile by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. 
during his teen years is what most studies will, will show. Um, so, again, Daniel was, it says that they were looking for young, handsome, full of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding type of men, and Daniel was chosen. So we know that he was young, he was handsome, he was wise, full of knowledge, understanding, and all of that came into play of why he was chosen. Um, and from the beginning, he would not defile himself. So from the very beginning of being chosen, he was challenged. How I many of you know if you're chosen, you're going to be challenged? From the very beginning. And the challenge in the very beginning was that you had to eat certain things and drink certain things that the king offered. But he said, you know what, that, I can't do that. So I'm going to start this off being who I am. I am a follower of God, and I'm going to keep the ways of God in my life. And how many of you know we need to be steadfast that way as well? I'm a follower of God. I'm going to keep my godly ways, and I'm not going to back down for anything or anyone. And that was Daniel. And so he said, test me. They gave him 10 days, and they said, okay, for 10 days we're going to give you and these other men that, that are with you in your posse <laughs> 10 days to eat your way, and at the end of the 10 days, we're going to evaluate you and your guys and these guys and see who looks the healthiest. And who looked the healthiest? Daniel and his men. They looked better than. Isn't that incredible? Better than, and they didn't have all the meats and the wines and all these things that the others had. In fact, they were known to be 10 times better than the magicians and the astrologers. And the king needed interpretation, so he went to Daniel. Um, no one, well, actually, no one could interpret what the king needed to interpret, so he was just going to destroy all of them. But then Daniel is able to interpret. He had the answers, and, and because he did, he was lifted up into uh, really the king leaning into him. So I think it's neat that Daniel was in a worldly government, being called upon by the king, people in high places, because he had something to offer that God had strategically gifted and blessed him with to be used for that time. How many of you know that we can be in a worldly society, connected to worldly people, and be called and positioned in the positions we are in to be an influence and to be used by God with the giftings he's given us right where we're at amongst the world. So here he is, and he's being used, and the king acknowledges it. He promotes him in this worldly system. He gives him promotion. And Daniel has some great friends. How many of you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And his friends wouldn't bow down. So here his friends are on the line. How many of you know in our faith we're going to have people that are with us on our journey. And we're going to have to pray through for them. And we know that they're going through a battle. And what happened to his friends? They got tossed in the fire. And then there was a fourth man in the fire. <laughs> and God preserved and kept them. These are some incredible people in a time of great persecution. And so we go on and we see that um, there was deceit. 
there are people that did not like Daniel that were out to get him. And Daniel um, stood strong in his belief, even though all of that pressing. I mean, even though sometimes there's a pressing, people coming against, and you can feel the heat and be like, okay, well, God probably won't mind if I just do this once. I'm sure he'll be okay with that. We try to justify sometimes because we don't want to have persecution. But he didn't justify the ways of the world. He stood strong to the ways of God. And basically the deceit of these governors were that, you know, if you, if anybody in the next, I think it was 30 days, worships anyone but you, you're going to throw them into the lion's den. Because who were they really out to get? What was the deception of that? Who did they want killed? They wanted Daniel killed. So they were... They were putting together this evil plan, and it was deceptive. Wouldn't you think that the king would know that? Like, hey, you guys are just jealous of Daniel. He's my right-hand guy. He does all of this. I'm not falling for that. No. He was deceived. He's like, yeah, sounds like a great plan. But it backfired because the king really liked Daniel. And so when they came to him and they said, you know, we caught him praying and worshiping to his God, um, then what did the king have to do? He had to uphold what he said. Because he wasn't a godly man, right? He was of the worldly system, so he knew, like, I'll get in trouble if I don't do my end, so i got to follow through with this. But I want to read to you, because I just think sometimes we miss this, and I know it's not so much... It is Daniel to me, because it speaks volumes of who he was. People respect people who stand up for what they believe. If, if you practice what you preach, you have a respect whether you realize it or not. If people get to know you and they see you're the real deal and what you say is also what you do, it is honorable before man. And that's the kind of man that Daniel was. And so it says, um, it says, so the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. I love that the king professed that, which he had no real certainty over Daniel, the power of the word. He said to him, that king, your God, whom you serve continually, I've seen you serve him through good, through bad, through what I've said. I've seen you stand strong in him. He will deliver you. And then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet, signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. But I love that before it was sealed, he made a confession. Your God's going to deliver you. And then, I love this, it just blesses me. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. And then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. I love that he confesses, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. 
my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. What, was his, what did we say his name meant? His name means God is my judge. I was found innocent before who it really counted with, before God. And because I was found innocent before God, there is nothing that man could do. And therefore, I'm innocent before you. And it says, now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Amazing. And we're afraid to stand up for what we believe. And we're afraid that it's going to go south if we speak the truth, if we practice the word of God. Can we get some Daniels? Can we get some men and women of God who will do what they've been called to do, who will pray, who will fast, who will stand up for righteousness in a world that says, I don't believe in that, that says bow to this and bow to that and do this and do that? Can we get some Daniels that will say, no, I will not? There are some issues that I could bring up tonight things that people are, are, you're believers, and we know what the word says. Don't act like it's right, it's wrong, and I'm not going to call you that, you're this or that. We got to be Daniels in a society, in the society we're living in. His was applicable to his time, ours is applicable to our time. And see, that we may go through persecution. Daniel went through persecution. That wasn't easy. You want to tell me being thrown in with the lions was just a, oh yeah, no big deal. I mean, I'm sure he had some concerns there. But God saved him. And I love even the ending of it because it says the king gave command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, <laughs> and the lions overpowered them, broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. So was, were those lions capable of tearing Daniel up? Absolutely. But God did not allow it. It says he took an, had an angel close his mouth. But when you mess with God's people, you're in a dangerous spot because look what happened to them. It wasn't just them. Their children, their wives devoured them into pieces before they even came to the bottom of the den. That's God's word. So we get to see this whole area of Daniel in the beginning. And then when you get to the other half, we see more of his, um, his prophetic visions and dreams and um, how... It comes into play with the book of Revelations. If you look on the front of, um, if you look on your sheet, it says Daniel wrote the prophecies that match those in Revelation, giving specific time periods for events like the Great Tribulation. He was the first to use terminology that Christians have now come to believe mean seven years and three and a half years. So we're not going to get into that tonight, but that's the three and a half years of peace, three and a half years of tribulation, the seven years. Um, there's, we're not going to get into that. We'll eventually get to Revelations and studying, but that's where 
And I think when we talked about the book of Daniel, we brought out how the paralleling of revelations and some of all of that. So can you see where there was a great calling on Daniel's life to do all that he did in the latter half of Daniel that you see with what he was to speak and declare that the enemy was out to get him. But God did not allow that to happen. Um, And I just want to remind you that God is for you and he blesses righteous um, women and men of God who will stand up and declare God's word in the midst of a society who maybe doesn't. He'll give you favor in high places. I believe he's called us as his children to have favor in high places. Favor on your job. Favor in our communities. I believe that we can make a difference in our cities. We have some of you here that are on school boards. We have some of you that serve as coaches. We have some of you that are in the school system. We have some of you that, that have felt led to be in different positions in our communities with purpose. And some of you at times have went under persecution for that because the enemy doesn't like that. He doesn't want righteousness to stand strong in the midst of a worldly society. But I want to encourage you to stand strong wherever God has placed you. If he's put you there, he's put you there for a reason. He's placed you there with purpose. And I want to remind you of he'll protect you just like he protected Daniel. It doesn't mean you won't go through persecution. But it does mean that God is for you. He's watching over you. And he will only allow what he allows to happen. Amen? And we need not to fear to put ourselves out there, to have a voice in our community. If we can have a voice locally, then it it multiplies to other areas, right? And we we need to be a people that recognize what God has called us to do. And you know what? It comes to much is given, much is required. It comes with a sacrifice for us to commit ourselves to the Lord. You can't be in that position and live live an ungodly life but yet confess God it doesn't it doesn't come together but when you live a godly life and you're confessing God you are setting yourself up for the Lord to use you in great ways so there's sacrifices Daniel had to make sacrifices that these other men had to make to do things differently and that was okay and God watched over them and I'm so thankful that we can claim that for ourselves today aren't you that we have victory over the evil. We have victory over the evil one. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Right? That's the hoorah. So in the end of the story, we talked about two villains tonight that did evil. Boo. And they were punished for their evil, right? What was coming to them came to them. What, what was prophesied came about them being devoured by dogs and all of that. It came to them. And then we see the heroes of the Bible. <laughs> and we see that God kept them, preserved them, looked out for them, even though they had some hardships. Did we really think we were going to make it through this, this, this whole lifespan that we're given here without any hardships? Anybody in here never had a hardship? Just raise your hands. All right. <laughs> then we're all in the same boat together. We've all had hardships, but how many of us are still standing today? 
And how many of us can say we've seen God through the hardship? Yes. And how many of you know that God is not finished with us? So the applicable part of this tonight is that we need to be reminded by these people that we have a calling, that God is for us, that he's going to call us to wicked places like he did Jonah. He's going to cause, he's going to rise, cause us to rise up in a society of worldliness like he did Daniel. And we're still to do what we know to do. And what do we know to do? Right here. Live out the word of God and be a people of prayer. Daniel prayed. Jonah prayed. And allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Amen? All right. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for the examples that we have set before us with these people. We ask that you would cause us to be bold and strong and courageous. That, Lord, you would lead us to the places that you have um, put in our path to walk in. Give us favor on our jobs, favor in our community. Help us stand strong in your word. Help us to stand strong when the enemy presses in against us. Lord, we thank you that you'll use those things that we go through to even reach those among us, just like Daniel was a blessing to the king. Father, we thank you that we'll be blessings, a blessing to those that you have planted around us who are watching us. We praise you tonight, God. We thank you for your word. We ask that you keep us safe. Lord, we, we thank you for health, Lord. We just declare a protection of health that we can claim your word, that no pestilence, no disease will draw nigh to our home. We thank you, Father, that we can walk in your joy and your peace, that we don't have to leave here in turmoil, but we know that we can walk with a confidence in who you are. You are a protector. You are a provider. And we thank you, Lord, for all this in Jesus' mighty name. Matt, have a blessed rest of the week. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.